make your way back to your seat and remain standing for the authority of God's Word. I know y'all forget this every time. Yeah, remain standing for the authority of God's Word. Got your Bibles with, uh, with you. I would encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13 and following. Uh, we are encouraging you. It is a sermon series called What is the Bible? We're encouraging you to actually bring a real Bible with you to church. If you haven't, that's all right. Uh, you, your app's will work fine, but this is the authority of God's Word uh, as heard in Romans 10, 13 and following. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard or never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they... Um, they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we all say together. This grass is glory like the flower of the field. Grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So the word of the Lord, it stands forever. What is the Bible? And so we are on week three of this. And so happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, today will be a good one. So make sure that you take really good notes because we're talking about a, 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 a subject that maybe you have never even heard heard about. Before we get into it though, uh, we want to talk about the complexity of words, like just plain old English words and how some of them have different connotations and different meanings. And if we don't know exactly what's going on, we could be a little bit confused. Take for instance, the word that is on the screen. Think about it for a second and think about what is the definition of this word? So, class, if you were to give me a definition, go ahead and someone throw something out at me. What is the word pitch? So, okay, so throw a ball, right? No specific ball, but to be able to throw a ball. All right, Eddie. Oh, oh some of us have a more European persuasion, right? So it's not of a soccer field. You've got a soccer pitch. Good. Somebody said something. Oh, yeah, Levi. Oh, a sealant or tar going all the way back to going all the way back to Noah and some pitch and bitumen. That's very good. All right, Ollie, what you got? Oh, the voice or the voice, the tone or the pitch of your voice. You're a little flat today or a little sharp. Okay, very good. Oh, to be able to pitch a tent to be able to actually claim a location, like this is where I'm at. Very good. What's that? Ah, a businessman. Noah's gonna be a businessman. He's always thinking about business, right? He's gonna make some money, right? And so he's gonna pitch, you know, a sales pitch or to be able to present an idea for some type of persuasion. Robbie, was that yours? Ah, uh, okay, okay. You're on the same wavelength. Oh, okay. All right. So this, the different degrees of what we've got. Any other renditions out there? That's a lot of them. So that's just, uh, oh. 
<laughs> there you go. All right, all right. So, so, so there we go. All right, so that's five single letters thrown together to make one word, and yet we cannot come up with any consensus as to what that means, right? Because it can mean a whole lot. So here's the second question to the first question as to what that means. Who gets the final say? When you come up to like just where you are in life, the, the a crux of a decision, who gets the final say as to whether it's one way or another? As Protestants, there are four attributes of the scriptures, and we've been going through these slowly. First and foremost, we've been talking about the authority of God's word. The fact that this, these scripture, these words that we have in this book, these are God-breathed. And if God has given us these words, then we need to be taking them pretty seriously, right? So we move from authority to a little more practical when we talked about the sufficiencies of scripture that what we have contained here, leather bound, and on these words, that these words are enough. We don't have to go to outside sources to understand what do we believe and how we are to behave. On the third step in our journey, we're going to be talking about necessity. This idea that these words are necessary for something. So that's the third. And lastly, the fourth of the attributes would be clarity. And next week, we're going to take a little bit of a detour on clarity and actually talk about the canonization of it. But you need to know those four things. The the realization is, is that God could have given us any type of revelation. He could have given us information in all types of different ways, whether he'd just show up in person, whether he would give you plenty of dreams. But more times than not, he has chosen to write these things down for us to wrestle with. So the necessity necessity of Scripture. So here's the definition here. So what is necessity? So necessity of Scripture is that the humans understand their their condition correctly. All right, so that's the, the first part. It's like, how do we understand who we are? Well, the scriptures will tell us before God. And then we are to learn of God's remedy for their desperate estate. The fact is that you can't know either of those two things without the scriptures. And when left to ourselves to pronounce whether we, what our condition is or what the remedy is, both the condition or the remedy, we would get wrong when left to ourselves. So where do we find our condition? Where do we find our remedy? Well, we find it in the scriptures alone. And that's what necessity is. Take, for instance, 2 Corinthians 6, 9. There's this entire dialogue about the wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. All right, you may not be familiar with this, but Paul is is trying to share with us that there are two different modes in which we are able to see the world. There are two different worldviews. And one is from the world and one is from God. And he gives some comparison and some contrast there. First and foremost, he says that this wisdom of God is actually from the beginning of all times, where the wisdom of the world is new, but he also says it's ever-changing. So you just take the presidential debates from, let's just say, 1980 versus the presidential debates in the year 2020. Those two debates were very, very different. Why? 
because what mattered to us as a society has changed. The wisdom in which the things that we elevated are things that are important or not even useful, those things have changed. And yet there is a wisdom out there, the wisdom of God, that is actually long before we even existed. Paul then goes to say that there is also some context to this wisdom of the world and wisdom of God is that the wisdom of God actually seems foolish to us because it's so outdated, because it's so old, it's got a little crusty to it. And we've moved on from some of these things where this new and shiny ways of the world, those things are needed. And so who gets the final say? Does the wisdom of the world get the final say or the wisdom of God? And so the necessity of scripture are a little bit like these spectacles, these ideas that there we have glasses on our face to be able to see more clearly than us. We need to see in a different type of way. And the only way that we are going to see our true condition And also the true remedy is through the lens of the scriptures. I spent two years, or two years, two summers in the Bahamas. Um, Yes, it was on mission work. I don't go there to vacation, you know. Like someone has to go on mission work in the Bahamas. And so we would be on these boats going 30 miles an hour. And our captain, right, who'd lived there forever, he would be able to see the reef underneath him. Because of both the tides and then also the shades of blue, he would be able to know how to navigate the boat here or there. But for me, and my, just my native eye, I wasn't able to see any differentiation whatsoever. And so like the Bahamian boat driver and like glasses on your face, the scriptures actually give us a chance to understand what we are seeing. Without these glasses, the world would be somewhat hazy, out of focus, and we wouldn't understand either of these two things. And so what is, you know, what does the word mean? Or how do you do certain things? For instance, how do you make ice cream? And so like if you were to eat ice cream, and Bruce Colson loves ice cream, right? Um, But we all do. But how do you make ice cream? And so there's a couple of things. You could either just go to the grocery store and say, enough with it, I'll just buy it off the shelf. You could go to Hilton Head, right, and get it from an ice cream shot. You could go to the old kind of crank bait, right? Does anybody know these, this motion here, right? That's how you make ice cream. Some of you are lazier and you just plug something into the wall, but exactly how do you do it? Is there a right way or a wrong way to do do these types of things? Well, on Father's Day, we try to do things just a little bit. What? Oh, maybe this is how you make ice cream. He was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So how do you make ice cream? Who's to say, right, who's right and who's wrong? <laughs> Every guy with a truck is like, I think I know what I'm going to do this afternoon. <laughs> so who's going to say? Is cranking better than plugging in versus putting it in an igloo cooler? But who's right? Who's going to set the standard? Who's going to tell us which way is right or wrong? Who gets the final say? And so in the way that we're able to navigate these worlds because there's so much confusion and there's so many opinions, there's so many definitions, we're going to have to know where we stand in this. So I'm going to give you two terms here. It comes with the root of revelation. And revelation is not uh, the last, not just the last book in your Bible. This is actually how you are able to obtain knowledge, is that knowledge is revealed to you. So you need two different terms at your disposal. First and foremost, let's talk about general revelation. Okay, up here at the, the G here is just the idea that the knowledge of God comes from nature. You find this in Romans 1, where it's very clear that you just go out and look at the stars, or you understand the four seasons, or you understand the tides that are in front of us, or take anything and you just get wowed by the reality that something is out there and there must be some type of design. And so what is here is that we get some type of revelation. We get some kind of knowledge of who God is. You look at nature and you can say he's a designer or that he's smart or he's brilliant or that he's creative or that he's beautiful. Those things are given to us through nature themselves. Roman tells us that it's wonderful. Frank Tipler, who is an astrophysicist, he says that the cosmos proves the idea of God because the universe is simply too complex and well-ordered to have arisen out of chance there must have been a designer behind the design. But is the knowledge of God enough? The scriptures tell us over and over and over what we see with our eyes in general revelation that can give us a belief in God, but it will not bring us to this idea of special revelation of what we need to know as to know what the remedy of our biggest problem, which is sin itself. And that's where it comes in of special revelation. The real question is not for you and me, is God real or does God exist? The real question is, how are we saved? Special revelation says to answer that question, we do not have the skill set in, uh, in and of ourselves to come up with the remedy all by ourselves. We need a voice from the outside to particularly tell us exactly what we are to do. And so how are we saved? We cannot leave this question up to chance. And we cannot leave this question up to opinion. We cannot put how then are we saved in the same kind of category as how do we make ice cream or what is the definition of pitch? We better be sure of those. So how are we sure? And that comes down to the necessity of the scriptures. How do we know exactly what is going on? The Westminster Catechism tells us that it is through creation and through our conscience that we can understand God. And yet 
we will not have enough to know as unto salvation. That the scripture is the most necessary means for salvation. We have to have something, something written down for us. Special revelation. This idea that what we have at our disposal is here for us, for you and me to read and to understand. Again, God could have shown up to each of us personally and had you know, some type of relationship as we know of a friend or a father or a friend or, or, or a spouse. He could have done it that way. He could have revealed himself through visions every single time. And yet what he chose is to reveal himself through the written scriptures. You remember Moses on the top of the mountain, what happens with two tablets of stone? God with his very finger writes something down for us. This is wonderful. It's good. We need it. He tells the prophet Habakkuk, he says, write this down. So over and over, he picked this mode to communicate to you and me. Why? Because he needed something steadfast. He knew that his people would be fickle, that we would change our minds. And yet we would need to come back to something rooted over and over to realize this. God carefully protected his words by writing them down so that you and I could read it. Take this verse in Exodus 17. He says to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Psalm 102, write this down for a future generation. The scriptures are necessary for you and me. We need to come back to this document to understand what our condition is and then what our remedy is. And I need you to hear me say this this morning. You cannot do that in and of ourselves. It's too limited. You're too swayed by your own personal preferences, your circumstances, any of these types of things. We needed real words on a real page to understand these things. The scriptures are necessary for us. And only God can tell us what he believes on certain things. Only God can tell us about who God is. That makes sense, right? How would he want us to describe him? You and I can't even write lyrics or even sing lyrics without him first telling us what we are to believe. Only God can tell us what God or who God is and what he believes. Take for instance, Father's Day. How are you going to celebrate your father? By doing the exact opposite of what he wants to do? No. Usually you think about Father's Day or Mother's Day or, or birthday or an anniversary. And what are you thinking? Can I do something for them that they would appreciate? Fair, right? Because at some point, your father has shared with you the things that he likes. If my kids take me out to eat and take me to Java Juice, I will be very disappointed. If my kids go, I know what dad wants. He wants a kale salad. I will be very, very disappointed. Now, you may like java juice. You may like a kale salad. I just don't. But your people know your people by the way that they have expressed themselves. Oh, speaking of food, I almost forgot. Did y'all know that fathers ate fruit today? 
It's amazing. So just, uh, who knew, right? Free, won't cost you anything. The only way that fathers, your kids know what to get their fathers is that they have expressed themselves because this is how God himself as our heavenly father has expressed himself to us. He's given us what we need. And so now to Romans 10, what do we need? We know that our condition is that we are far from God. And we hear that from the scriptures. So what is the remedy? What do we need? We need a savior. We need a savior. We need someone to step in our place. But wait a minute, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I don't need anyone. Exactly. The only way that you need someone to be your advocate is because the scriptures themselves say that we need it. So let's just look at these four things in Romans 10. This is the progression of our need for our Savior. The necessity of the scriptures and our need for the Savior is number one is that we need someone in your own heart to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. How are we saved? What is our remedy? It's that your heart will scream out at some point, I need you. Lord, I need you. And when you do that, you're doing that out of obedience to Romans 10. How do we need, or how do we know that we are to call out on the Lord? Romans 10 tells us that with our mouths, we have to do this confession. And that too, that we need to believe in Jesus Christ as our savior. You can't believe in yourself. You can't even believe that you need to be saved. You don't even, being a, that you need a remedy is not enough, but it has to be in particular, believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. But here's where necessity gets really interesting because necessity is probably the most, or is definitely the most practical of the three so far because it actually, the necessity of scripture actually ekes into real time and real places with real people, with real decisions to be able to make about the real one, Jesus Christ himself, is this idea that those uh, you cannot believe unless you have heard. When you are in friendships or in you are with, if you are in a place of authority, if you were in a casual relationship and you were using words, the only way the scriptures tell us, the only way that someone can cross from death to life is belief in Christ Jesus, to confess Christ Jesus after they have heard. Now that's remarkable. The necessity of the scripture tells us what is rooted here is what we need to, how we to understand ourselves and the remedy. But also it puts a condition on people like you and me to actually teach, to preach, to share, to give away the word of God to those around us. So we need moms to teach and to preach and dads to, to teach and to preach. We need community leaders and, and youth groups and we need preachers and we need people out in society actually using God's words to prove himself. There's all types of confusion out there. How will we know? How will we know? Because saving faith comes from hearing himself. 
We need these people out in space giving real information to people. The necessity of Scripture isn't just that it's rooted here in leather-bound pages, but it actually makes its way into society. And that's when you know if the Scriptures are necessary or not. It's how you use them. Romans 10 tells us that it is useful when you use it. The great critique of the Western Christianity is that you've waited on or relied on voices like me to be the preacher and not to go into society to give the necessity of these truths away to those. So the Bible is the only source only source of information about Jesus Christ and his work of salvation. We cannot come by this information outside of the scriptures. Without the Bible, we would not be able to know about Jesus or how to be saved. Whether you believe in the Bible at this point doesn't really matter at all. Do you believe the Bible so much that you can't keep it to yourself? And so necessity of scripture is as much about utterance as it is belief. About tangible, real time and space, real relationships and real gospel declaration as it is anything. From authority, right, to sufficiency, now to necessity. The very words of life itself come from scriptures. And so how do we know what God is like? And how do we know what God wants? This is Father's Day. How do we know what God wants as our heavenly Father? Well, he's told us in the scriptures. And this is not about ice cream at all. This is really about life and death. Romans 10 tells us, he just starts out by saying, have you not heard? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The necessity of the scripture is about salvation. The necessity of the scripture is about whether you and I truly believe in the word of God or not. So we've been challenging you to read your scriptures. That's great. We've been challenging you to meditate on the scriptures, to have them, to, to hide them deep in your heart. Today, because of the necessity is the only source, the only source in which we know, today the challenge is to be a declarer of God's word. How will you be saved? Will someone who calls on the name of the Lord? And how will they call on the name of the Lord unless someone tells them? The necessity of scripture has to do as much with someone else's ears as it is our lips. There is an entire world out there, even in the Bible Belt, who still have yet to believe in the name of Jesus. Would we give them a chance by being so bold to say that our, the, our only hope is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? Let me pray for us. And so Lord, on this Father's Day, as we think about the necessity of the scriptures, help us to realize, Lord, that what we have is wonderful and good. 
But Lord, it cannot be kept to ourselves. For 2,000 years, church fathers have looked at this written word and have made just an overwhelming consensus that this word should not be on a shelf. It should not only remain like inside homes, but needs to be shared and to be shared boldly. God, I, for one, I find myself can be timid in the real world when it comes to sharing or faith. And yet every time it happens with neighbors and friends, Lord, that every time a gospel proclamation happens, God, our heart is filled with confidence because we know that what we are giving away is the only source of life and death. King Jesus, I pray that you reign in our lives, not just our devotions, but reign in our lives that we cannot keep you to ourselves. Help us to share boldly. God, thank you so much for the moms and the dads who are sharing, saving faith with their kids. God, we are so grateful for even now that you've got Camp Redstone teachers who are sharing the words of life with with kids. Thank you so much for the youth staff who are constantly pointing to Jesus and challenging these youth to come to know Jesus as life. We pray now for college ministry, those ministries at Milligan University in East Tennessee State that as they are prepping and praying and even fasting for gospel declaration that people would come to a resounding faith in you. Thank you for our coworkers. Thank you for the servers at restaurants that we so often visit. We pray, Lord, for our family members who are far from you. Give us the boldness to share. How will they know unless they have heard? And so, Lord, your scriptures are necessary for us to know salvation. I pray for those of us who know Jesus, that we will be bold gospel proclaimers to those around us this summer. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And so this is what Jesus has done. He's come to boldly preach the kingdom of God, to give us a new outlet to understanding that, I think we've already heard it today, that this is an upside down kingdom. And so how does the power structures work? Well, he says it's not through government agencies or even having the last word, but instead through the giving of his life for us. Um, At the end of every um, sermon or um, at the end of every service, we want to walk out this faith by coming to the table of remembrance. This table of remembrance, there's two in the front and two in the back. And these are moments where you have to settle in your own heart whether you believe in Jesus or not. This morning, you want to look at that piece of bread and also that little cup of juice and saying, has he truly laid down his life for me? And if that is true of you, just know that Romans 10 is also true, that we get the chance to look at the broad horizon and to offer peace and hope to those around us, amen. So go ahead and stand. Uh, Just know that these tables are open for those who are following Jesus and are eager to follow him in obedience. Um, So these tables are open.